You are listening to the replay of Cowboy State Politics live from October 27th. And there's intimacy on the radio and there's naturalness on the radio that can never be replicated on TV. The marvelous resurgence of radio as a political force in this country. News-related radio programming is evolving. There's a huge hole in our dialogue that can be filled by the synthesis of traditional radio and the freedom that comes from a live podcast. You're about to experience Cowboy State Politics live, and here we go. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to Cowboy State Politics Live. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. We begin this morning with the Fetterman debate. Now, I'm sure all of us, at by this point, most of us anyway, have already seen clips of that tremendously depressing debate. Well, the thing that they called a debate. But I want to kind of set the stage for you a little bit. Kind of point out what it is that the rest of the world is watching. You see, running for office, I mean, that's that's nothing to be taken lightly. I mean, you're representing the people that you're asking um, asking for their vote from. I mean, you should be you should be up to the task and able to perform at the level that uh, that they deserve. So here's a here's a soundbite from Sky News, um, and it's a correspondent in Australia, and it's what she's doing is remarking on a speech that President Biden just recently gave. Here you go. But first, this week, President Biden gave a speech at Fern Hollow Bridge in Pittsburgh and again showed America and indeed the world that he is a man who knows what he's doing. Over a billion, two hundred, a trillion, two hundred billion dollars. A billion, two hundred billion, a trillion, no one's quite sure what he meant. But, you know, I'm sure that was the only muddled part of the speech. The rest was crystal clear. And Bobby, I promised you, he'd been on my back to get this done for since I got elected president. Don't forget the lockjaw. So I just think, I'm not sure how we're going to do this, but so long as I, I, I couldn't say no. I, I don't know what he means, <laughs> but he wasn't done there. Then the president made this incredible claim. My grandfather, Finnegan, can really be proud of me right now. No, I'm not joking. He would. By the way, he's an All-American football player, John, in Santa Clara. No, he wasn't an all-American football player. When Joe says, I'm not joking, he means I'm lying. There are many, many examples of those words being uttered by the president at the end of a verifiable lie. And it wouldn't be a Joe Biden speech without a confused walk-off. Okay. So you get the point. The rest of the world is watching our president, our commander-in-chief, bumble and fumble his way through what he thinks is his job. It's called elder abuse, and it's, there's no excuse for it, ever. But the problem for our country is that other nations are watching this. They, they view us as a weak country with a weak president, and right now, we most definitely are. President Joe Biden has depleted the military. He's obviously killed our natural resource industry. So America is not really the strong nation that we were just two short years ago. So now let's move to the Fetterman debate. And this one's pretty hard to take in. It's, it's difficult to watch because at one point you would expect that Mehmet Oz to say, okay, 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 we've had enough. But that's exactly what they're hoping for. 
You see, they put John Fetterman up on the stage to run for office, thinking that they could run the same play as they did with President Joe Biden. You know, the president who didn't do any campaigning and hid out in his basement for the entire campaign and still got 15 million more votes than Barack Obama. Yeah, right. But they thought that they could run the same play with John Fetterman, and yet Oz called them on it. And they postponed the debate for as long as they possibly could because they knew that he was not going to be able to perform. So get a load of this soundbite and then we'll talk about it. There it is. So the Fetterman Dr. Oz debate just ended. Holy smokes, full blown 30 car Amtrak derailment for Fetterman. Here he is explaining how he'd handle inflation. Here's what I think we have to fight about inflation here right now. That's what we need to fight about inflation, you know, right now because it's a tax on working families, you know, and Dr. Oz can't possibly understand what that is like. Oh, it gets better. If that guy's elected senator from the state of Pennsylvania, you'll have real concerns about the system being legitimate. Oh, uh, I, I, I do support fracking and I don't I don't. I support fracking and I stand and I do support fracking. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Fetterman. So you might have said that Oz should have said, okay, enough is enough. I, this is enough abuse. I can't take it anymore. The problem, though, is if he would have let off, then people would have, may have been led to believe that that was just a momentary glitch, that that maybe maybe he just got his words mixed up. It happens to all of us at one point or another. But we can't do that right now. Where we're at in our country is we have to expose these people for who they are. And as difficult as it might be for us to watch John Fetterman on the stage not make any sense, and clearly it's an example of how his family um, should, didn't take him off the stage. What his family should have done is said, no, John, you don't need to be doing this. In fact, they, after his stroke, they should have just told him to step down, and then the Democrat Party in Pennsylvania could have just put in a write-in candidate or something like that. But they didn't do that. And that just tells you that the people surrounding John Fetterman are only interested in power. They don't care about John Fetterman. They obviously don't care about his health. The man just had a stroke, and yet he put, they put him through an extraordinarily stressful, in a, an extraordinarily stressful situation. A debate is not easy. I know it's easy to sit back in your armchair and say, well, I would have said this or I would have said that. But when you're when you're in the debate and you're under pressure, it only exacerbates the situation that you're feeling. And John Fetterman is not in any position to be standing on a stage with anyone, much less Mehmet Oz. So this should be a word of caution to everybody that we ought to pay more attention to our loved ones. We ought not put them in situations for our own purposes. And this is exactly what the Democrats are doing here. They're trying to use John Fetterman to keep control of the Senate so that they can push their political agenda on the rest of the country. And as I said, they don't care about John Fetterman, nor do they care about us. Their only consideration is power. Moving on to the cow pie in an incredibly courageous article. Left, Leo the Leftist writes in an article entitled, State Representative Says House Freedom Caucus Plans P Wyoming Political Takeover. Hmm. And I quote, State Representative Bill Fortner of Gillette suspects he was once he was once piece of a much larger plan orchestrated by the House Freedom Caucus and its chairman, Representative John Baer of Gillette, when he lost his primary election. Fortner suspects a scheme that involves filling the governor's seat and four other state-level executive seats with members and supporters of the caucus by 2026. The House Freedom Caucus is a coalition of state House Republicans that operates independently of, tradi of the traditional Republican and Democrat House caucuses that lobby legislative leadership on issues. They want all positions to be Freedom Caucus members, Fortner said. They don't want a they don't want a political party in power. They want a socialist state. Okay. Of course they want all all Freedom Caucus members in in positions in the state of Wyoming. Of course they want the governor's mansion and they obviously want leadership in the House and the Senate. 
Why else would they be the Freedom Caucus? <laughs> Why else would they be the Freedom Caucus? Now, his last sentence there, the last thing I read to you, is the most important part. They don't want a political party in power. They want a socialist state. Okay, Bill Fortner knows that that's not true. Bill Fortner has a history of lying. It's absolutely true. Let me play one for you. This is from a political event that he held before the primary election. And in it, he's talking about Senate File 102. And I'm telling you, my friends, there are some mighty big whoppers in there. Now, the audio is kind of hard to hear, but you can pretty much make out what he's saying. I'll play a little bit and then stop and explain why, why he knows that he's not telling you the truth. Senate File 102 has four mechanisms in two state statutes that totally trash our law enforcement when they don't work for the federal government. One of the, the law enforcement, the other is our right to carry law. They've got two statutes in place that are against that South bill that they passed. Okay, so the bill he's talking about is Senate File 102, and it's entitled the Second Amendment Protection Act. So in it, it makes it a crime in the state of Wyoming for any law enforcement officer, well, actually, for any employee of the state. And the way the bill reads is that anyone employed with fun or paid with funds that originate within the state of Wyoming. So it could be a police officer. It could be a secretary. It could be a bureaucrat down in Cheyenne. Doesn't matter. If you're a public employee, then it, it's a crime for you to restrict the Second Amendment rights of any Wyoming citizen. So what Bill Fortner is trying to do in that little section of the soundbite is scare his audience into thinking that the House Freedom Caucus, which are the people that pushed this bill, are trying to take away your Second Amendment rights. And that's just not true. And Bill Fortner knows that. The reason why he's so agitated in that clip and why he kind of goes off the rail, which you're going to hear here in just a second, is that he supported another version of the Second Amendment Protection Act in the Wyoming legislature. That one was pushed by State Senator Anthony Bouchard. And it the bill, his, that version of the bill was flawed from the very beginning and was not going to pass. So let, let's continue. Well, what's the paper that's happening to pass to Question, if we already had all the protections we needed in place, why did Bill Fortner support the other? SAPA bill. The, that one was in, I think the number on that one was Senate file 87. Why did he support that one if we all, if we had all the protections we needed in place? The thing is, Bill Fortner has a history of not telling the truth. And this quotation in this article is an exact, is, is an example of that. When he says they want a socialist state, Bill Fortner knows darn good and well that that's not true. He was once a part of the Freedom Caucus before he decided to run for the Senate, which, by the way, he lost to Ogden Driscoll big time. There were three candidates in that race, and Bill Fortner ended up being number third, number three out of the bunch. He lost by a sizable margin. So, Left, Leo the leftist is being extraordinarily courageous in trying to get the comment that he wants for his article talking to talking to the loser in that race. I mean, it's par for the course for the cow pie. Coming up, we're going to talk about education. We're going to talk about the the press conference that was held in Cheyenne on Monday, and we're going to set we're going to find out if the education system in Wyoming is just as good as everybody says it is. I'll give you a hint. It's not. We'll get back to the program in just a second. But first, some completely egregious self-aggrandizement. You can listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps. iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, really any of them will work. But the easiest way is just to go to the website, cowboystatepolitics.com. There you can find all of the shows as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program. If your name is Sleepy Joe Biden and you don't know what day pudding day is, I'm not sure that I can help you with that. 
but you can have one of your staff find an article that tells you why you should have never ran for office. We've all been telling you that for the last 50 years. New episodes of the program are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. And don't ever forget about the Thursday live program. You know, the one that you're listening to right now. It's every Thursday at 10 a.m. You can always find the link to the live stream at the website or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. Don't forget about that either. Like it, share it, and follow it and tell everybody you know about it. Of course, I'll post all of the episodes there, but also anything I find during the course of the week that I think you might be interested in. And now, back to the program. So on Monday, State Superintendent of Public Instruction Brian Schrader held a press conference to talk about the sexualization of our school children in the state of Wyoming. And it doesn't really matter which side of the fence you're on, whether you're in favor of doing that or not, you can't deny that it's actually happening. There are books that we've covered on cowboy state politics numerous times that are extraordinarily sexually explicit. And they're in Wyoming high school libraries. Just the other day, I got a report from Natrona County that those books, and I'm speaking specifically of two books. Uh, one, of the, one of them is called Gender Queer, and the other one is called Trans Bodies, Trans Selves. But the library in Natrona County, the high school library, removed those books from the catalog and then was handing them out to students so that you know members of the public me, for example, couldn't tell that those books were still in the library. So first, let's go to the Pravda on the Platte. In an article entitled, Teachers Call School, School Chiefs Event Divisive, Not Reflective of Reality, published today in the Casper Star Tribune, and I quote, a woman sitting in the back of the room at the state superintendent's conference on Tuesday raised her hand and announced to the crowd that she had quit teaching a year ago. It's because of this, the woman said, gesturing to the audience. Now, the interesting thing is in that rally, the crowd thought that she was talking about all of these nasty books that are in, in libraries. But really, what she was referring to is all of the attention that's been brought to what we're teaching our children in school. The article continues, with just a couple of months left in his term, State Superintendent of Public Instruction Brian Schrader gathered a crowd of like-minded people on Tuesday to host a conference on the sexualization of children in school. Quote, we're living in unprecedented times, like nothing we've ever faced in our nation's history, Schrader said. The issue we seek to address here is both unsettling and disturbing, or at least it should be. Now, the woman who jumped up and said that she had quit teaching, she asked, well, she spoke to the Casper Star Tribune later, and she asked to remain anonymous. She told the Tribune that after the conference, that there's a severe lack of trust for our teachers, and tears filled her eyes. End quote. Barf! So, why is it that some people don't trust teachers in the state of Wyoming? Well, there's been numerous reports of sexually explicit material being in the classroom and in high school libraries. There was the teacher in at Cheyenne South High School that showed the movie Growing Up Trans to his students and then handed out a quiz. So there's ample evidence as to why we should question what's happening in Wyoming schools. Not to question would be to just allow them to run amok or to allow them to do whatever it is that they want to do. But that's not the narrative that's coming out of education officials in the state of Wyoming, nor is it really the narrative that's coming from the superintendent's office. At one point during the conference, he said this. And I looked at the, I looked at Oops, newspaper sorry. articles. Sorry, wrong soundbite. 
Well, anyway, that's a good one, too, and I'll, I'll continue playing it here in a minute. That was one of the speakers that State Superintendent Brian Schrader brought to the event. And it, it actually goes exactly to what I was talking about, that everybody in the state of Wyoming says, we have a fantastic and a fabulous education system, and no one could do any better. Let me continue playing this. Looked at their websites. I looked at their school libraries, what was in them to try to get an understanding of where your state is compared to others that I've looked at across the nation. And you know what? I was nothing but impressed with the state of Wyoming's education system. Your teachers are doing a wonderful job. Your school districts are doing a wonderful Did you job hear that, educating the kids. Oh, you good. guys are above the national standards. Yeah, we're above the national standards. Well, that's that's a pretty good grade, right? Any time that you're that you score above what everybody else scores, well, that should be a good thing, right? So, just to hammer home the point, here, here is the president of the Wyoming Education System, Wyoming Education Association, Grady Hutcherson, pretty much saying the same thing. But I also think it's time collectively for all of us to start pushing back against some of that ridiculous national rhetoric uh, that Ms. Amon was talking about that we are seeing. This is Wyoming, and much of that nonsense has no place in Wyoming because it's not happening in Wyoming, and it has nothing to do with our phenomenal K-12 education system um, in Wyoming. Our phenomenal K-12 education system in Wyoming. So if you listen to all of the rhetoric that comes out of the Wyoming Education Association, out of the State Superintendent of Public Instructions Administration, that Wyoming schools are doing just fine. We're above the national average and, you know, things couldn't be better. Of course, you know, there's always areas to improve, but, you know, by and large, we're doing okay. From Cap City News, in an article entitled, Wyoming Near the Top of the Nation's Report Card Despite Declines in 2022 Reading and Math Scores. So this article is claiming that we're near the top of the nation's report card. And I quote, Similar to most of the country, Wyoming saw declines in average 4th and 8th grade math and reading scores on the 2022 National Assessment of Educational Progress, also known as the nation's report card. The NAEP reading and math testing is generally administered every two to every two years to 4th and 8th grade students in all 50 states, the District of Columbia and Department of Defense schools. Testing initially slated for 2021 was postponed until 2022 because of the you guessed it, pandemic. Wyoming scores on the 2022 NAEP assessments for fourth and eighth grade reading and math were down compared to the 2019 average scores. Now that word average is important because all of the numbers that I'm about to give you relate to averages. And that so, so that is we have students who are performing at a high level. We have students that are performing at not so high a level. And all of those scores are averaged together. Wyoming is not alone in seeing declines in AEP math and reading scores. In 2022, eighth grade math scores fell in 49 states and the District of Columbia compared to 2019. The Wyoming Department of Education's press release said, fourth Fourth grade math scores fell in 42 states, eighth grade scores declined in 33 states, and fourth grade reading scores dropped in all in 30 states. Despite declines compared with years past, Wyoming scores were near the top of national averages. Okay, let me give you another definition. To the dictionary, the word mediocre. And I quote. The quality of middle quality, neither very good nor very bad, ordinary, commonplace. So when something is mediocre, it means that it's just kind of in the middle and it's not that great at all. But really, national test scores reflect that very definition. NAEP, the NAEP standards are... are judged, I guess, on a scale of, on, with a test, on a scale of zero to 500. So 500 points being the absolute maximum that you could get, and zero points being the minimum. Keep that in mind for a second. I have in my hot little hands a white paper that was issued by State Senator Charlie Scott. 
Charlie Scott is the chairman of the Joint Education Committee for the Wyoming Legislature. The very top of his report says, and I quote, the 2020 recalibration final report, reading is key to all learning in all subjects. Well, that one's pretty obvious. If you can't read, well, you're not probably you're not going to do very good in math or or science because you have to actually have to read the book. Between 50.88 and 45.2% of students perform only at the basic level or below in language arts. These performance levels are not adequate for graduates to access jobs in the higher skill, higher wage economy that Wyoming is, is trying to build. And that comes from the 2022 recalibration report. Quote, as shown in Chapter 2, data from the NAEP suggest that improvements in student performance have not grown at the same pace as the growth in revenues for Wyoming education. So essentially what the senator is saying is that it doesn't seem to matter how much money we spend on education, the scores continue to decline. Down at the bottom of the first page, it says, quote, Notice that my headline says that we are not teaching a quarter of our students how to read. The 2018-2019 YTOP, that's the, our, the state of Wyoming's state assessment test, shows 21.77% of third graders and 23.87% of fourth graders below basic level. These students have clearly not learned how to read. By saying a quarter, I'm taking a more relaxed view than the experts. However, the experts are probably right that the students who test basic are not reading adequately for success in the modern world. This is very troubling. So here we have education officials in the state of Wyoming saying that we're doing a fantastic job, that we should just continue doing what we're doing because, you know, we're above the national average. So according to the NAEP, which I'll post a link to that website at CowboysStatePolitics.com, the national averages, and again, this is on a scale of zero to 500. So this is a test that we created for ourselves to judge how good we're doing in education in the state of Wyoming. So these are the national averages for those fourth grade and eighth grade reading levels. In math, the, the average is 235. In reading, the average is 216. In science, the average is 153. And in writing, the average is 153. So just looking at it from the outside, our nation is not even scoring 50% on the, on the test that we created to judge our own schools. Now, the Wyoming scores, brace yourself for this, my friends. In math, the Wyoming average is 243. In reading, the average is 225. In science, the average is 161. In writing, the average is 150. Now, I'm fairly certain that just about everybody involved in Wyoming education knows how to figure a grade point average, if we still use those anymore. I'm pretty sure that everyone listening to this program has had a grade point average at one point or another. Well, the average of those scores is a whopping 39%. So how is it that we could say that our Wyoming education system is doing a bang-up, fantastic job? Well, the truth is, we're not. We're less than mediocre. Mediocre being, of course, the middle. If our average were 250, then we could say that, yes, we're in the middle. But the truth is, students in the United States of America are not performing above the average level on the test that we created. That's a scary situation, my friends. It means that our students are not going to be able to compete in any sort of economy in the future. It means that we're going to have to re-educate everyone who came out of our Wyoming education system, our K-12 through system, when they get to college, if they even go to college. It means that half of the people that come out of Wyoming schools, over half, don't know how to read properly. Now, if that is not an indictment of the Wyoming education system, I don't know what is. Now, that brings up an interesting question. What are the causes of this decline in our scores? Well, it could be 
that we're focusing on things that don't have anything to do with reading, writing, arithmetic, science, or anything like that. It means that the state superintendent of public instruction is right, that we ought to stop sexualizing our children because it's wrong, it's harming them both mentally and physically, and it's harming their their education for later in life. After the break, we're going to talk about the climate change. The New York Times has a fabulous article, and they're, they're discussing the major achievement that the Democrat Party has, has got for us. Cowboy State Politics Live is brought to you by 307 Cowboy Fabrication. Winter is nearly here, my friends, and don't think that your livestock don't know exactly what's going on. They probably know that you've been leaving them out in the pasture all winter long without a place for them to go and get all nice and cuddly warm. Well, fortunately for them, 307 Cowboy Fabrication can build them a shelter to your exact specifications using materials that are manufactured right here in Wyoming. If you're in need of an animal shelter, call my friends Bryce and Melody Reese at 307-441-1815. That's 307 Cowboy Fabrication. The only thing worse than having cold feet, at least in my opinion, is having cold ears. And if you feel the same way, then you should check out New Trend Hats. They have a wide selection of hats for both men and women, and they're perfect for keeping the tippy tops of your little ears nice and warm. You can check out all they have to offer at NewTrendHats.com. And now, back to the program. You'd have to be living under a rock to not know that the American economy is about to crater. But what, of our, what are our elected officials doing about it? Well, most of them are focusing on climate change because they're certainly not focusing on the 40-year high inflation. In fact, at this point, it's probably a 50-year high. Prices are higher in American grocery stores than they have ever been in, in our lifetimes. My, my sister is a banker and she's a mortgage lender. And she told me that the real world impact of this last interest rate increase, and by the way, we're probably going to see another one of those this week. But the real world impact of that is before, if you qualified for a $300,000 house, which is about the going rate in the state of Wyoming, or at least it is where I live in Buffalo, but the going rate's 300,000. If you qualified for a loan, your payment would be about $800 a month. After the interest rate increase, your payment would be about $1,200 a month. That's, that's at a level that, most, that definitely most single-income families cannot afford, and most new younger families cannot afford either. So that is specifically what's causing the decrease in the housing market that I've talked about on the program. So we have major challenges that are happening in, in, in our country and in the state of Wyoming. Chief among them is probably inflation. Now, inflation, literally and simply, is too many dollars chasing too few of goods. So we have more money around than we know what to do with. And so it's not worth nearly as much as it was two years ago. Let me give you an example. Let's say that you have five apples. And I come up to you and I say, you know, I'd really like one of those apples. You know, can I have one? Well, the thing is, you only have five of them. So that one apple represents 20% of your total supply of apples. So it's pretty valuable to you. Now, let's, let's imagine that you had 100 apples. And I say, you know, that apple looks pretty good. I think I want one. Well, the one apple represents 1% of the total amount of apples you have. So that one apple isn't nearly as valuable as it would have been if you only had five. Well, that's exactly how inflation works, is that we have too many dollars around chasing too few of goods. And that's why prices rise. You add on top of that the, the, the absolute destruction of the, Wyoming, of the American energy economy, and 
that those inflationary pressures are exacerbated. And that's what causes the price of fuel to increase the price of oil. Now, everybody, now Joe Biden says all of the time that, you know, it's it's the evil oil companies that are driving the price of oil. And he's doing everything that he possibly can to lower the price at the pump. In fact, here's him saying it. Who say you are only doing this SPR release because to help Democrats in the midterms? Where have they been the last four months? That's my response. Is it politically motivated, sir? This no, move, it's not. Three weeks before the midterms. Look, it makes sense. I've been doing this for how long now? It's not politically motivated at all. It's motivated to make sure that I continue to push on what I've been pushing on, and that is making sure there's enough oil that's being pumped by the companies so that we have the ability to be able to produce enough gas that we need here at home, oil we need here at home, and at the same time, keep moving in the direction of providing for alternative energy. That's, that's what I've been doing. their main goal. Now, the problem is these guys are asleep. I don't know where they've been. And they seem, you know, the price at the pump should reflect what the price of a barrel of oil costs. And it's not going down consistently. That's because that's not how things work. The price of a barrel of oil, that is crude oil, is before any refinement takes place. So the price at the pump reflects everything they do to that barrel of oil to get gasoline out of it. I mean, <laughs> unless, unless an eighth grader went to school at the Wyoming Education Association, they sh or the Wyoming Education System, they should be able to figure that out. So everything that you're seeing with the economy is a direct result of what Joe Biden is doing. Now, it's inflation isn't only a problem here. It's a global problem. And the reason one of the main reasons for that is the U.S. dollar is what's called the world's reserve currency. And that means that most big trades in in the world are done in U.S. dollars. So let me give you an, an example. Let's say that you're Germany and you need oil. Well, you don't go to Saudi Arabia and buy oil because see we don't sell it here anymore. So they have to go to Saudi Arabia. Uh, but anyway, you don't go to, to Saudi Arabia and say, I need oil and pay for it with your German money. Uh -uh. You change your German money into dollars and then you use those dollars to buy Saudi Arabian oil. So if the U.S. dollar is inflated, that means that the Saudis are going to increase the price of oil because our dollar isn't worth as much as it used to be. So we have inflationary pressures all across the world. But why is it that you're not seeing them on the media? I mean, you're seeing news reports of the president being interviewed by some guy who's uh, who, who's decided to transition to um, a female, and that is apparently a news story. I'm not even kidding. Go to YouTube and look that up. I mean, it's absolutely, absolutely crazy. But we're not covering what's happening in the rest of the world. This morning, I was looking through a lot, some of the videos that came out from uh, from earlier in the week, and I came across one from Glenn Beck's radio program. And you all know that I'm a big fan of Glenn Beck, uh, but I think that this that this one soundbite is really telling about what the media is doing to you. Let me play it for you, or at least part of it. We'll see how it goes. I want to show you some video here. Uh, this is a uh, this is a protest in Paris. How would you describe that, Stu? Very large. Very large. Very, very Tens large. Tens of thousands, at least. Tens of thousands. It seems to go on forever, mm -hmm. okay? This is not from the BBC. This isn't on Reuters. This isn't the AP. This isn't on CNN. This is nowhere. Uh, same uh, look at Paris. Why? Different place, different day. What do you have here? Another riot on the street. Okay. This is not Antifa. This is a group of regular people. Like us. Okay. Try this one on. Cut, uh, cut 10, please. And what are they chanting? Thousands of people. Again, different day, different street. Paris. They are chanting liberty. That's what they're chanting. Why isn't this on the front page of the New York Times? <laughs> I mean, I know that everybody cares. 
Because the New York Times has something else on their front page, which I'm going to tell you about here in just a second. Let's continue. Married Martin Luther King, everyone all around the world. The United States carried Gandhi and his protests. You know, because I've been in South Africa and they hated me in South Africa. And I was like, how do you even know me? Because the world covered the Tea Party to make sure the world knew we were the bad guys. Why? Why do I have to go to an Indian news outlet to cover the protests in London? Why? Oh, that, that's not it. I'm gonna, when I come back, I'm, I'm going to show you the protests all over the world that you don't know are going on. And what is it that they're protesting? Hmm. Exactly what you are protesting. Inflation. I'll explain coming up in just a minute. I was just showing you the people that are on the streets in London. And okay, in okay, Paris. okay. You get the idea. But there's protests going on around the world about inflation. And we haven't seen anything about it in our media. Why, you might ask? Because what's on the front page of the New York Times today is all about a victory with climate change. From this morning, the article is entitled, The Climate's Improved Future. And I quote, Five years ago, the journalist David Wallace Wells explored the worst-case scenario for climate change, one in which the planet warmed as much as 5 degrees Celsius by 2100, causing widespread extreme weather, economic collapse, famine, and war. The interesting thing about this is in Europe, because Russia cut off the gas supply to most of Europe, what you will see this winter is famine and people dying because they don't have any heat. Now, quote, quoting again, now David sees that level of doom as much less likely. He writes in an essay for this Sunday's climate issue of the New York Times magazine, where he's a columnist. While five degrees of warming once seemed possible, scientists now estimate that the Earth is on track to warm by, two, by only two to three degrees. This difference might not seem huge, but it translates into fewer record-breaking floods, storms, and droughts. Oh, Lord, what a great job they've done. And heat waves and potentially thousands or millions of lives saved in the coming decades. You see, the Democrats, they don't have anything to run on. They can't run on the economy because they've absolutely destroyed it. They can't run on their, their management of our natural resources because they've destroyed those. They can't run on helping the rest of the world because we've destroyed our U.S. dollar by printing trillions and trillions of dollars. They can't run on anything. And so the New York Times is attempting to give them something to run on, a victory for, for the climate. Look at that. We've reduced, we've reduced the average increase in temperatures over the next hundred years or whatever it is that they were saying. The point here is that they're trying to divert your attention to something that doesn't exist because they think you're stupid. They thought you were stupid with Joe Biden hiding in his basement. The reason they put Fetterman on the stage is because they think you're stupid and the, the people of Pennsylvania will ignore what John Fetterman did on the stage this week. And they think that you'll buy this climate change BS because they think you're stupid. Another article from the front page of the New York Times entitled, Beyond Catastrophe, a New Climate Reality is Coming into View. And I quote, You can never really see the future, only imagine it. Then try to make sense of the new world when it arrives. Just a few years ago, climate projections for this century looked quite apocalyptic, with most scientists warning that continuing business as usual would bring the world four or even five degrees Celsius warmer a change disruptive enough to call forth not only predictions of food crises and heat stress, state conflict and economic strife, but from different corners, warnings of civil civilizational collapse and even a sort of human endgame. Oh my God, we're in for it. But you see, my friends, this is so ridiculous that only a moron would believe it. And that's what they believe you are. We'll continue after the break.
This segment of the program is brought to you by Morton Buildings. If you're in the market for an outbuilding or a garage or a barn or a roping arena or maybe even a giant warehouse, then you should call my friends Nick and Jesse at Morton Buildings. Their phone number is 307-674-2532. These guys are the experts in metal building construction. They've been doing it longer than anybody else around, and they definitely do it better than anybody else around. The truth is, you've probably seen a lot of their work as you've been traveling the highways and byways of Wyoming and not even known it, because their work stands the test of time. So it doesn't matter what type of metal structure that you've been considering, give Nick and Jesse a call at 307-674-2532. My friends, I have found the perfect sock for our winter outdoor adventures. This past weekend, I tried out some socks from the Buffalo Wool Company. I'm telling you, they're amazing. I didn't even want to take them off. The whole weekend, I didn't even put my boots on once. I just wore those socks and my tennis shoes, and I never got cold at all. Well, if you're like me and you have to have warm feet, you should check out the Buffalo Wool Company. You can go to their website. It's thebuffalowoolco.com. You will not be disappointed in these socks. And now, the conclusion to our program. As if I needed any more proof that the people in charge think you're an idiot, here is the White House Press Secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre, talking about how great of a job President Biden has done. And she's speaking with Wolf Blitzer. You'll hear him in there, too. Here you go. Uh, joining us now here in the Situation Room, the White House Press Secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre. Kareem, thanks very much for coming Thank in. You extended invi invite, and I accepted. Good to have you in our situation. <laughs> in your situation. I know you guys have one over the White House thanks. as well. The thanks. president uh, says polls will shift will shift over these next thirteen days as the uh, campaigns wind down. So why is he putting an additional eighteen million dollars towards a push to hold? House and Senate Democrats. Well, as you know, and I know you covered uh, the White House yourself, Wolf, back uh, uh, during, I believe, the, the Bill Clinton years. Uh, we were just talking about that. I need to be very careful. There's a Hatch Act. Uh, and so for my position, I don't want to, we believe in the rule of law. I don't want to break that. Uh -huh. when so, you're yeah, sure they the do. White House, can't you talk about these Actually, political Actually, I've been told to be very mindful and to be very careful and wherever mindful. I go as a spokesperson. That's something she's not used you know, to. I have to be careful what I say. I will say this. Yes, polls go down, polls go up. The thing that, and this is what Phil was talking about, the thing that the president thinks about all the time, especially as it, it relates to the economy. All the time. He thinks about how is he going to deliver for the American families? How yeah. is he going to lower costs? You, talk, you heard Phil talk about what he did in the post kind of, in, in the post era that we're, we're in when it comes to the American What is she talking sure about? We have a strong economy and we see this with jobs uh, going up, with strong jobs market, low unemployment at, at uh, about 3.5%. And so that matters. And we're going to continue to do the work to lower uh, lower costs for American people as we did today. So look, we understand what's at stake. And that's what the president has been very clear about these last couple of days, to show the American, American people that there's going to be a choice that needs to be made and to be very clear about what the other side is trying to do as well. You know, the other side is trying to fix this gigantic quagmire that Joe Biden, Corrine Jean-Pierre, and everybody in that administration has got us into. Like I said, my friends, they think that we're stupid. There's no other explanation why they would put Corrine Jean-Pierre as the press secretary. Now compare her to Dana Perino. There's no comparison. The only reason that person there is is there is to spout propaganda and to try to treat you like you're an idiot. The article from the New York Times continues. Conventional wisdom has dictated that meeting the most ambitious goals of the Paris Agreement by limiting warming to 1.5 degrees could allow for some continuing normal, but failing to take rapid action on emissions and allowing warming above three or even four degrees spells doom. 
Skip a paragraph. Neither of those futures looks all that likely now, with the most terrifying predictions made improbable by decarbonization and the most hopeful ones practically foreclosed by tragic delay. The window of possible climate futures is narrowing, and as a result, we're getting a clearer sense of what's to come. A new world full of disruption, but also billions of people, well past climate normal and yet mercifully short of the true climate apocalypse. You see, they've saved the world. Oh, my God. I mean, honestly, my friends, who could who could they expect is going to believe all of this garbage? From Breitbart, and this one will tell you that they don't even believe the, the same bullcrap that's coming out of their mouth. The article is entitled, Mark Zuckerberg's private jet emits 17 times more carbon than the average American. And I quote, in that time span, and they're talking about a from August 20th to October 15th, Zuckerberg's private jet emitted more than 253 metric tons of carbon, a greenhouse gas that experts say is contributing to global warming and climate change. By comparison, the average American has a total carbon footprint of 16 tons a year, while the average person worldwide burns about 40 tons a year. Okay, let me put this into perspective for you. The amount of carbon that your house produces or that you consume by heating your home and running all of your electrical gadgets is equivalent to about what two what 223 trees could consume in a given year. Each tree can consume about 40 pounds of CO2 or carbon every single year. You know, they kind of breathe off of carbon dioxide. And so if you look at the Bighorn National Forest, there's probably, and I did the calculations not that long ago. I'll have to dig them out for you for the next episode so that I can tell you exactly what they were. But just the Bighorn National Forest alone can consume enough carbon to power two, 223 million homes. I'll say that again, 223 million homes. So all of this stuff that they're talking about, about with climate change is total bullcrap, and they're expecting you to believe it and vote for them because of it. Moving on. From ZeroHedge.com, which, by the way, I haven't talked about them a lot on the program, but ZeroHedge.com is a great resource. If you want articles specifically related to the economy, it's it's awesome. It'll tell you exactly what's happening with the economy. And it's articles that you're not going to find just everywhere else. Certainly, you're not going to find them on MSNBC or um, or any of those news news outlets. But this one's called... Learning All the Wrong Lessons from America's Energy Crisis. And I quote, Energy inflation was by design. Policymakers squeezed the supply chain everywhere they could, so it would be, it become impossible to meet demand. Demand. The Biden administration is simultaneously cracking down on drilling for the fuels that power everyday life. And I quote, However, the Biden administration recently cut onshore drilling leases by 80%, as well as notably curtailing offshore drilling. For the leases that were not cut, the, the Interior Department significantly increased royalty fees, making federal lands a less attractive drilling option. And so if you look at Wyoming, most the a large percentage of our state is federal land. So by curtailing the sale of federal leases, which you saw that in the in the Red Star not that long ago, they're significantly decreasing the amount of available energy, that is oil and natural gas. And it's they've decreased it to such a point that even if they turned the spigot on today and said drill baby drill, we wouldn't become operational for at least a year. Secondly, with the inflationary pressures that they've put on every single human being on, you know, basically on Earth, there's no way that a drilling company is going to expend the millions of dollars it, it takes to punch a hole when they know that the, that the environmental restrictions are there that are going to prevent them from producing it. So what has happened is the Biden administration has intentionally destroyed our natural resource economy to a point that even if we could say go right now, it wouldn't recover. So what I'm telling you, my friends, is the inflationary pressures plus the clampdown with regulations and the stopping of the lease sales, they've damaged the economy so that it cannot 
come back. At least it can't within a year. The article continues, quote, Biden, the President Biden has had in hand approached Venezuela and OPEC with the goal of boosting oil production. In its latest move, the Biden administration is resorting again to draining the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, this time to its low, lowest level in 40 years in a last-ditch effort to lower gasoline prices before the November election. Periodically releasing oil from the country's strategic reserves to score political points is not an energy policy strategy, especially when that oil ends up in China. And at the levels that he's releasing, it's only going to be enough oil to get us through one day. Fox News reported yesterday that the United States only has enough diesel for 23 days. 23 days. That's it. And in our last article, and this will tell you exactly what the problem is, Saudi Prince MBS duped Joe Biden with the promise of an oil production spike, according to Breitbart, and I quote, OPEC, plus the oil cartel largely led by Saudi Arabia, announced in early October that it would cut its production by a dramatic 2 million barrels a day, raising global oil prices in the final weeks preceding the American midterm elections, which Democrats are projected to lose severely in. So why would, why would the Saudis do this? I'll give you two reasons. First of all, Saudi Arabia is, are like the ultimate capitalists. Okay, They're in it to make money. And... If you were, if we were OPEC, we would probably do the same thing. Jack up the price of oil while we can so that we can make the most money. So they're not going to bend to doing favors for the Biden administration, who's, who's maligned them pretty much at every turn. Second, Saudi Arabia is going to act in their best interests. So I already mentioned the economic impact of that. But secondly, the Biden administration is not friendly to Saudi Arabia, nor is it friendly to the Middle East whatsoever. In fact, the only part of the Middle East that they're friendly to is Iran and the Palestinians. The Trump administration had worked diligently to start the Middle East on a path toward peace, and Saudi Arabia was involved in that. That works in Saudi Arabia's best interest, because instability in the Middle East disrupts their cap their oil production it disrupts the entire the the entire region and be if there is instability it makes it harder for them to do business okay so it's in their best interest for the democrats to lose saudi arabia is not stupid they can see everything that i just explained to you as to what the biden administration has done to the american economy and so they're going to sell less oil than they were before because of the instability, because of the increase in prices. So it's completely within Saudi Arabia's best interest to go along and to, and to do everything that they possibly can to get the Democrats out of power. They're not going to give Joe Biden a helping hand. This article is fascinating, and you should really check it out. I've put a link to it, or I will after the program, put a link to it at CowboyStatePolitics.com. One more quotation from the article, quote, as President Biden was planning a politically risky trip to Saudi Arabia this summer, his top aides thought they had struck a secret deal to boost oil production through the end of the year. The New York Times reported an arrangement that could have helped justify breaking a campaign pledge to shun the kingdom and its crown prince. But anonymous American officials told the New York Times that the Saudi government had agreed to first accelerate an OPEC plus production increase of 400,000 barrels per day already planned for September and then increase production by another 200,000 barrels per day for each month from September to December of this year. The production increases did not materialize, but as recently as late September, MBS, um, that's Mohammed bin Salman, was reportedly personally assuring American officials that production cuts would not occur. Now, why would he do that? To make the Democrats look bad. To make to put President Joe Biden in the worst possible light. As I said, it's not in the best interests of Saudi Arabia for Joe Biden to be the president to be president because he's wrecked the global economy. If if countries are are experiencing the inflationary pressures that we are, and they are, I played for you the soundbite from Glenn Beck's show where he was showing you about the protests worldwide because of inflation. So the best thing that Saudi Arabia could do for themselves is to hurt the Democrats. Thanks a lot, guys. Well, that'll about do it for today's program. 
New episodes of Cowboy State Politics are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. And of course, don't forget about the live program that you are listening to right now. It's at 10 a.m. every Thursday morning. Coming on this this week's edition of Weekend Update on Saturday, I have an exclusive interview with Secretary Wyoming Secretary of State Carl Allred. It's an interesting discussion and one that he hasn't had before. I, I know that you're going to that you're going to enjoy it. So that's what's coming on Saturday. Don't forget about the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. Like it, share it, follow it, and tell everybody you know about it. Now, of course, everything I mentioned during this program, I'll post at the website, uh, probably later on today. But for now, from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.